Hey, hey, kids, you're listening to A Couple of Annoyed Grunt Boys, and this is the 138th Simpsons Podcast. Time to whiz in a foaming bowl of China. That's right, we're the Simpsons Podcast that discusses the beloved animated sitcom The Simpsons from seasons 11 and beyond, and the new episodes when they air. Why do we do it this way? Well, an entity known as Wheel of Random has cursed us to only watch those episodes because there's plenty of other podcasts out there that have discussed the golden age, that being seasons 1 through 10, so we are tasked to find episodes from the latter seasons to see if they can match the episodes that we all know and love. But I don't do this alone, I'm just one annoyed grunt boy named Craig. With me, as always, is the other annoyed grunt boy, Steve. Hello, Craig. Hey, boner bro. What up, hard on, homie? Not much, penis pal. My dick dude. My cock comrade. My phallus palace. Wait a minute. <laughs> that sounds like my dick is your home. <laughs> uh, phallus palace. That'll be a new t-shirt of ours. Like if they were to remake uh, or do another version of Police Academy or they accidentally go into a gay bar, like phallus palace is like the best name for one. I think if there is a remake... And they do that joke of, you know, sending someone to the gay bar. You can't do that joke anymore, by the way. But, like, right. they should send them to, like, a straight bar. And be like, what is this? <laughs> How come that hasn't been rebooted yet? That seems so weird. Like, please, like, get all of those uh, hip hip uh, uh, comics in L.A. that, you know, perform at Largo. Mm-hmm. Do all those podcasts. All those podcasts that are comedy adjacent with a lot of bang banging in it. Yes. You know, yes, yes. <laughs> those people are your, your Tim Baltz's, your Lisa Gilroy's, your, um, Oh yeah. Carl Tart. Yeah. They should all just sit in a room silent <laughs> and then, then talk. And they should just say, all right, we're going to make a police Academy movie. I mean, how great would it be to see, uh, Paul F. Tompkins as a cop or, uh, like he could be the, the new, uh, commandant. Right. right. Of the police Academy. Yeah. I get. Uh, I would love this. Yeah, get Lily Sullivan could be uh, uh, an officer, or uh, like you say, Carl Tart or Sean Distin. Oh yeah. So all those comics that you see on the new uh, After Midnight on CBS, <laughs> uh, not sponsored by the way, uh, they can all make a police academy. And there's so much jokes now. No one likes the police anymore, and make that the premise. Like everyone hates the police, so we're gonna make people like the police and hire new recruits. Yeah, it's, that it's are a whole just PR like you thing. That's that. brilliant. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Then you have like cameo from like Steve Gutenberg, who's like, here, here's my pitch. Steve Gutenberg is the mayor of the city. Oh, yeah. And he reenacts this new police law. And then you could get uh, uh, Michael Winslow will be the deputy mayor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everyone else is dead from that move, those movies. Uh, we can get Bunny Cat Coldplay and we can offer. He could direct it. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like, he could have a cameo, but also be a director. I like to say. Maybe we should we should just be the producers. I'm assuming the rights to the police academy might be about eighty five dollars. I so, think. Yeah, I think we could pull enough money to. Do you think between you and I, we can get eighty five dollars somehow? Uh, we'll have to start that Patreon, but I think after a couple of years, we can do it. Either that, or we're gonna have to start delivering newspapers in the morning. What's the newspaper? It's the thing that uh, we you put down on the floor, so you're a. Uh, Dog can piss and shit on. Oh yeah, that yeah. Uh, no, Steve, we don't have the rights to Police Academy yet. 
Well, Steve, we're in the middle of, uh, as of this record time, January, and some of us on the podcast are going a little dry, so I think uh, we might have to skip a beer corner. I hope our fans aren't upset, but uh, Steve's liver needs a break. That's right. I'm just uh, keeping it a little dry, a little uh, California sober, if you will. So you're just doing a lot of cocaine and Xanax? That's right. And Ozempic. <laughs> no, I can say you look pretty uh, thin. You're... As thin as uh, Oprah Winfrey now. That's right. And as wealthy. <laughs> Maybe Oprah can buy the rights to the Police Academy franchise. Yeah, we can just set it in Chicago if she wants. That's fine. You know who will probably will buy it will be uh, Tyler Perry. <laughs> Which, you know, he should. Yeah, I could see that. Tyler Perry's Police Academy? That actually sounds like a great movie. I would... that People would line the streets. <laughs> that would be a hit immediately, I promise you. I want to move to Atlanta, live in his compound, and help him make it. <laughs> All right. If anyone knows uh, Tyler Perry's phone number, uh, email us, uh, 138simpsons at gmail.com. Yeah. And if you know Medea's phone number, maybe you can call her and she can hook us up to Tyler Perry. Whatever works. Oh, you know, the first thing in Tyler Perry's Police Academy is uh, he's going to release Medea from jail. That's right. Could you just imagine, like, there has to be one cameo as him as Medea, like, joining the force just as like a you know quick oh yeah camera. no doubt about it great yeah no doubt no doubt can do the music mm-hmm. you have the right, right. made silent and then no so speak can play yeah movie writes itself well we're not even talking about what we're supposed to talk about and that's the simpsons so i think we should actually just shift gears and talk simpsons because that's what our podcast is called talking simpsons <laughs> that's right <laughs> we're just a couple of annoyed grunt boys talking simpsons around springfield Around Springfield, and uh, we got a four-finger discount here. (laughs) All right, Steve. We're going to go back in time to the year that time forgot. That was 2003. (laughs) December 7th, 2003, Steve. As a culture, what are we watching in the cinemas? Well, you know, at the time, one guy was running all over the theaters, uh, and that guy was Tom Cruise. And that movie, the number one movie in the box office, was The Last Samurai. I believe I watched that movie, but it's not good, right? I don't think it is. And I know that there's like some controversy as to why Tom Cruise is starring as The Last Samurai, um, which I think explains in the movie, but I I don't know that I ever saw it. I think I could easily Google the plot, but that's so hard to like reach my keyboard right now. Yeah. But wasn't it that he wasn't like... He didn't paint his face to like look Asian or anything like that. I I know that. Right. No. In the ep- but, in the movie, he is a white person who is yeah what, Japan. But yeah, he was he like like a Civil War soldier. Mm-hmm. Hey, I found a review. Steve Roger Ebert gave the film three and a half stars out of four. So oh. really liked it. He said it's beautifully designed, intelligently written, acted with conviction. It's an uncommonly thoughtful epic. Wow. You know, Steve, if we ever get the Patreon off the ground would that be one of our uh, patreon exclusives like we watched the movie that was popular at the time Ooh, yeah so we're reviewing that could be that sounds daunting it does it could be nothing but could be a lot of but, fun too and a lot of episodes too you know if, if this is the number one movie this week and maybe the week before is also the or next week it's the same movie then we would have to do the podcast we would just re-release that episode <laughs> right <laughs> or do we do a commentary track Ooh. so that Listeners have to watch the movie while we talk <laughs> over it in MST3K style. So we give us 
several hours of work as well as the listeners several hours of work. Well, we wouldn't have to like write show notes or anything. We just have to write jokes. That is true. <laughs> hmm. Might not be a bad idea. It would be a bad idea, Steve. Yes, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Craig, when we were, uh, you know, cruising to the Samurais, uh, what were we listening to on our audio devices? Well, it was the Billboard Hot 100. We had a stand-up by Ludacris featuring Shawana. You know, we always do the Hot 100. <laughs> but there's like, it was like the alternative charts and like country charts. How can we never look at those, Steve? Oh, yeah. Definitely do that. How do we do that right now? On air, live. Yeah, well, look it up. Old school style billboard. I'm on billboard.com right now, and they're, now they have a, a category for a TikTok billboard top 50. I'm thinking when the new episode airs of The Simpsons, we, we cover the uh, TikTok <laughs> billboard top 50. So then we could get the, the TikTok listeners. I like it. Like as of this record, um, we're recording this. Misty by Leslie Gore was number two. <laughs> so it's like just old songs. That's kind of funny. It's like kids discovering like older music and then putting it in the TikTok. Wow, that's crazy. All right. So the number one song on the Billboard Hot Rock and Alternative Songs for 2003, December 7th is Know Your Enemy by Green Day. Wow. Steve, I'm going to mention Green Day later in the episode, I think. I think you might. Okay. Does it have the country? I can do that. Or do you have to like, is there a scroll down button like to make it simple? You would think, but no. But I can get it, no problem. The number one song on the Billboard ha! Country Songs uh, for December 6, 2003 is I Love This Bar by Toby Keith, who would later have a chain of restaurants called Toby Keith's I Love This Place. Do, do we have any in Portland? I don't think so. Maybe in Gresham or... The Surrounding <laughs> Cities. Huh. Remember back in the old days of uh, this podcast where we used to like go through like lists of like what happened and everything on that day? Oh, yeah. That took like maybe half an hour of time. Yeah. I'm glad that uh, doesn't happen anymore, you know? And our episodes were somehow shorter than two, so <laughs> we'd have like a 45-minute episode and like 30 of those minutes would be like, well, there was a new tax bill passed in this day, <laughs> but now we're this streamlined, smooth-running scene. <laughs> That you hear now. Well, Mary J. Blige on December 7th, 2003, Queen of Hip Hop Soul, weds record producer Kendu Isaacs in a Jersey Steve. So she probably got married and then went home and watched The Simpsons. That's right. Uh, what did she uh, watch? Well, she probably watched this episode, which was Today I Am a Clown. Uh, after her crusty admits he had never had a bar mitzvah, he hires Homer to fill in his guest host on his show during the ceremony. Yeah, wow. Wow, do you see? All right, well. I had fun going down the December 7th, 2003 uh, uh, life with you with the songs and the movie and that magical wedding that Mary J. Blige had. She probably watched this episode every year. Yeah. And remembers that beautiful day. Was Mary J. Blige ever on The Simpsons? Hmm. I don't think so yet. Steve, I'll be glad to let you know that uh, she divorced Mr. Isaacs in 2018. Oh, boy. Yep. Saying she's single. According to Wiki, she's 53 years old. Nice. And she just had a birthday 10 days ago. Happy birthday, Mary. Let's just go ahead and uh, we'll take a little break, come back, and discuss this episode. Sounds great. All right, we'll be right back. Oh. 
And we're back. Today we're talking about Today I Am a Clown. It's the sixth episode of the 15th season, originally aired December 7th, 2003. It's episode 319 of the show's run. The nerd code is FABFO1. It's written by Joel H. Cohen, directed by Nancy Cruz, and your showrunner is Al Jean. Alrighty, Joel H. Cohen. I feel like we just talked about him in his latest episode, Do the Wrong Thing, which we reviewed two weeks ago. But he has written 37 episodes, uh, and this is the 13th that we've reviewed of his. Of course, he is known for his work on Saturday Night Live and Suddenly Susan. He's the younger brother of Robert Cohen, uh, who wrote the episode Flaming Moe's, but he's not related to David S. Cohen. But yeah, so he's written several episodes such as Brawl in the Family, Homer's Paternity Coot, He Loves to Fly and He Does, Lisa Simpson, This Isn't Your Life, Clown in the Dumps, Q Detective, just to name a few. And the next new episode of The Simpsons, which comes out in February, Frankenstein's Monster, will also be written by him. So we'll talk about him yet again in the near future. Or we won't. That's possible. We'll just tell people to uh, listen to this episode. <laughs> That's uh, not too far away, but it feels like it's pretty much like a month from now, isn't it? That the new yeah. Simpsons. That's fine, Steve. We're in, we're in the dog days of January, having <laughs> Arctic blasts and... Uh, Watching football. You know, that's that's what's going on right now. It's all about football. That's right. Did you catch up on the uh, playoff games this week, Steve? Sure. Go Lions. The Lions, yes, will advance along with the uh, Niners, the Chiefs, and of course, mm-hmm. the team that will probably win the Super Bowl, the Baltimore Ravens. Ah, uh, yes. Bill Oakley's favorite. Is Bill Oakley's team the Ravens? Ah, uh, yeah. I think he grew up in Baltimore. And so, yeah, he's a he's a Ravens fan through and through. Should we uh, find out where uh, Bill Oakley is going to be watching the Super Bowl and uh, party with him? <laughs> I think we should, yeah. Okay. Just interrupt him and be like, hey, listen to our podcast. <laughs> you know, he's just going to be driving through McDonald's, eating their burgers. That's all he does. Mm-hmm. That's right. Handing out steamy awards. Yep. We're West Coasters here. I'm going to I'm going to root for the, the Niners, Steve. Is that all right? Yeah, I was when I liked football. I was always a Niners fan during the golden age of Joe Montana and Steve Young and Jerry Rice. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll go for the Niners. I still have a '90s starter jersey. Remember starter kids? Oh yeah, of, of your name, Young, Steve Young. I have a Steve Young wow. jersey. Yeah, in fact, I I wore it this weekend. Wow. Uh, Heather has a Kaepernick jersey, but uh, you know the whole time she's just taking a knee. Of course, had to cancel her. You know for wearing that jersey. Right. Yeah. All right, Steve. Uh, we're not a sports podcast yet. <laughs> Can we be awful sports podcasters? Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, we're awful podcasters in general, but if we yeah, could, we had to talk about sports too. We'd be like, uh, remember that uh, SNL bit, Tracy Morgan and the Bryant Fellows animal guy? Whatever. <laughs> They'll be like us. Yeah. Knows nothing about animals. <laughs> We'd be like, nothing <laughs> about sports. I know the majority of sport knowledge I have is like baseball and hockey, but comes to anything else I'm like, i have no idea yeah i know a little bit about hockey and a little bit about basketball but yeah i don't have any expertise so well it's a good thing uh i'm quizzing you right now about basketball steve so um what is the uh field they play on called and it's not a field i believe much like uh lawyers and tennis players it's a court you got that right okay what's the color of the ball they use primary why well, i do it's not a primary color. That's true. <laughs> I think it's a tertiary color. Um, but I believe that basketball has the honor of being the orangest of balls. True, true. Um, and what are the stripes colored on the ball? 
Traditionally, I believe that they are black. You're, hey, you're two for two right now. What does NBA stand for? Not bad, Argentinas. Not bad. No, Steve, the NBA National Basketball Association stands for inclusivity and, uh, you know, all around uh, support for all human beings. Well, that's good of them. Yeah. All right. And last question. Uh, what uh, TV family, um, have they ever done a basketball episode? I'm trying to think of like. They did the one where Mark Cuban, where Monty buys, Mr. Oh. Burns buys a basketball team. Oh, yeah. We reviewed that one. Yeah. All right. Well, let's just um, review this episode. Okay. Steve, we have a chalkboard gag. That's right. It says uh, over 40 and single is not funny. Yeah, because it's fun. Not funny. Exactly. And I guess we're examples of uh, over 40 and not single. Also not funny. <laughs> what are you talking about, Steve? I just turned uh, 27 yesterday. Oh, yeah. Uh, me too. I'm uh, ripe old uh, 28. Uh I like eating ass and uh, TikTok and, uh, yeah, Zaddy. Yeah, uh, 23 Skidoo. Exactly. Uh, we have a couch gag, Steve, and this one's fun because uh, it's a uh, parody of everyone's favorite Batman, the Adam West Batman, of course. So they slide down a pole, and we have a Homer's Batman, Marge's Catwoman, but I can't tell if that's Eartha Kitt, Lee Merriweather, or um, Julie Newmar. And then we have Maggie and Lisa, Batgirl. <laughs> um, and then Bart is Robin, the boy wonder. Later, we'll become the teen wonder. And then finally, the adult failure. <laughs> Steve, who's your favorite? old dick himself. Yeah, Steve, who's your favorite, Robin? You got Dick Grayson. You got Jason Todd. You got Tim Drake. You got Damian Wayne. Oh. You even have uh, Stephanie Brown at one point. And <laughs> uh, do we dip into the... Uh, Dark Knight Returns a verse. Oh yeah, that's true with uh, JGL. Not the Joe Dark Knight uh, Nolan movies. I'm talking oh, about okay. the uh, Dark Knight Returns. Uh, Frank Miller. Oh right, right, right. With like, uh, uh, what was it? Carrie Kelly. That's right. Carrie Kelly is is the Robin. I think my favorite Robin would have to be Williams, the man who killed himself. Much like Robin's parents. I mean, they didn't kill themselves, but they died. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Do did I did I miss any any Robins? I said Dick. There was someone named Julie Madison hmm. from one issue of Detective Comics number forty nine in March of forty one. But the citation is needed, Steve. Here on, on Wiki, you got to get that citation. Yeah, I got them. Got them all. There's a Matt McGinnis from Batman Beyond. You have a Robert oh, yeah. Chang from Batman Digital Justice. Then you got uh, Bruce Wayne Jr. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And uh, there's Deathwing. I'm done reading, Steve. Uh, okay. I, I got to say, I'm going to give it to Dick. Or is Dick going to give it yeah. to me? <laughs> uh, I love Dick, and uh, Dick is the greatest. It is true. I, I love me some Dick as well. Uh, but let's just move on. <laughs> uh, so our episode begins, as it always does, with uh, Homer waking up, slipping his feet into those fuzzy bear slippers, and singing a song about urinating to the tune of Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire. He sings, Time to whiz in a foaming bowl of china. Before he can whiz, though, in said foaming bowl of china, he discovers that there's a line to the family bathroom. Although, don't <laughs> Marge and Homer have their own bathroom in their bedroom? That's what I was wondering. Maybe, uh, maybe Homer broke the toilet and it's not fixed. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Marge is in front, followed by Bart and then Lisa, who comments that whoever's in there is sure taking their sweet old time. 
Homer asks for cuts from Bart, and Bart declines, but he does allow Homer to have back cuts, uh, <laughs> which puts Lisa at the back of the line, and back cuts are such an elementary school thing that I remember. Oh, yeah. Did you ever have, uh, uh, as I say, did you ever have bathroom issues with your family? <laughs> Weird way of putting it. Yeah. Um, growing up, we did live in a house with just one bathroom, so there was some time when we did have to wait. Although I do remember as a teenager, my family uh, managed various hotels and motels, and so there would be times when one of us would have to use a bathroom, and we'd just go into one of the rooms <laughs> and use it and then mark it as dirty and have a keepers clean it. It's pretty horrible. Not maybe. Yeah, yeah. You should have just gone into like actual tenants' rooms. Like, don't mind me, I'm just yeah. going to use your shitter. Pardon me, just need to poop. <laughs> and leave the door open, staring at them, just <laughs> asserting dominance. How's your stay? <laughs> uh, well, just then Lisa realizes something. If they're all out there, then who is in the bathroom? So they realize it's, of course, the forgotten child of the Simpsons, Maggie, who is on the other side of the door just bouncing a ball. And Marge begins to freak out because her youngest is trapped inside the bathroom. But Homer has a plan. So he tries to pick the lock with a wire hanger. <laughs> so the pointy metal goes through the keyhole and here he stabs Maggie several times, but each time it just about uh, hits her. She bends over, unaware of the dangers around her. And uh, after the hanger takes her pacifier, it opens up the medicine cabinet, causing scissors, razors, and all kinds of pills to rain down on Maggie, which she giggles with delight. Even a <laughs> bottle of Pepto-Bismol falls and spills underneath the door. And Homer confuses the over-the-counter cure for a Nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea, mm-hmm. for a baby blood, and assumes so worst. <laughs> the fact that Albert thinks that uh, baby's blood would be pink. I like that. I kind of like the logic of it, though, because it's, she's not fully grown, so it's not red enough yet, so it's still pink. Pink, like uh, the Klingon's blood in Star Trek Six. Oh, yes, of course. I That's what I thought of, too. <laughs> so Bart has a solution. He uses Homer's head as a battering ram. And slams it into the bathroom door. And although it starts to make a dent, Homer complains that he's not hitting it hard enough. And then uh, Lisa finally gets the door open using some unconventional cartoon logic. And then the Simpsons get a visitor. How did you get her out? I tried the coat hanger again. I don't understand why we only try ideas once. The door! Now I'll never get to pee. Dr. Hibbert? Is someone seriously ill? Oh, I wish. <laughs> no, I'm here because of Bob Puccione over there. Murder? Two months ago, Santa's little helper paid a booty call to my purebred poodle, Rosa Barks. <laughs> and he had his eyes on her prize. I'm going to drop that analogy now. Aww. Oh, well, I'm glad you think they're cute because they're your problem now. You just lost the box, pal. The beginning of that clip, just Lisa saying, like, I don't know why we don't try things twice, is really funny. Like, it, when you think about, uh, like, Looney Tunes cartoons, especially, like, Wile E. Coyote, if they just try the same thing over and over again, it doesn't make for a great cartoon, but it does make sense. Right. Yeah. What's that uh, saying? You know, uh, the little green guy says in uh, Star Wars, like, try, do or do not, there's no try. Wait, no, not that. Uh, the other green guy, he's like, uh, you know, Rainbow Connection. Uh, Kermit? Yeah, what does he say? Uh, it's not easy being green. Yeah, exactly. Just like that. Yeah. Right. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yes, Michael Scott. We got it. Exactly. Right, thank you. 
I know this is going to be a little off topic or off tangent, um, which is weird. Mm-hmm. We never do that on the show. Uh, never. I'm watching an older episode of The Simpsons uh, that we, we can never review. It's the one where Sideshow Bob becomes uh, the mayor, right? Mm-hmm. And it might have been the beginning they do the Republican headquarters joke as like, you know, like a castle in Transylvania type of thing. And you see the Republicans there are Burns, Rainier Wolf Castle, like Rich Texan, right? But mm-hmm. Dr. Hibbert is also part of the Republican uh, hmm. committee. And I was wondering, was Dr. Hibbert always kind of considered to be a villain on the show because he was meant to be a parody of Bill Cosby at the time. And Bill Cosby right. was very anti-Simpsons. And uh, now we all know that, you know, Bill Cosby's a piece of shit, so it's fine. Right, right. All I'm asking, was Dr. Hibbert originally meant to be kind of a villain or unlikable well, character? I think maybe, like, because if you think about it, lower middle class family, especially in the onset of the show, they would, like, probably dislike those who have more than them. You know, that's why Flanders is who Flanders is. So it makes sense that a wealthy doctor would be antagonistic towards the Simpsons, even if he himself wasn't directly being evil. And also with Homer and Bart getting into such crazy hijinks, it seems like Dr. Hibber would be the one to tell them not to do these things. Like, you know, don't drink so much or don't glue funny things to your face or whatever. Don't jump Springfield Gorge. And so that's why they would like look to Dr. Nick for like other relief because he's the cool doctor who's not as good, but he's affordable. So yeah, I could see that like maybe not like Burns level of villain, no. but like but like the way that kind of like the Flanderses are kind of villainous to the Simpsons in a way. I think I think that's a good point. Yeah, I think that early on the Hibberts would have been the same. Yeah, but you know, the, there's never been like you say a point where the Doctor Hibbert's ever done anything malice or you know I don't think I've ever anyone's ever watched the Simpsons and go, ah Doctor Hibbert's a piece of shit. Right. Except for like now what the Republican Party is in America. When you see an episode like that, I don't want to associate Dr. Hibbert with the Republican Party because <laughs> what is he? He's someone who obviously believes in science, unlike your majority of Republicans. Right. He's also a person of color, which is not. Right. right. <laughs> it was kind of on tangent, you know, because Dr. Hibbert's there, the dog, so. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so as Homer brings in Santa's little helper, Rosa Barks hybrids, which uh, I really liked Named Baron Rosa Barks. Very funny. Uh, Lisa remembers that the family dog, not that one, had uh, puppies <laughs> before. And she <laughs> references the book, The Simpsons, A Complete Guide to Our Favorite Family. Uh, so she sees that in uh, Two Dozen and One Greyhounds, they got Santa's little helper m- neutered. When Marge asks Homer about getting the uh, dog fixed, he flashes back to taking Santa's little helper to the clinic and giving him one last night that his wang would never forget. And this is also interesting because... There's an episode of Frasier, um, which a neighbor's dog got pregnant with, uh, I think it was Eddie, the episode of The Uncutest Cut of All, and they even said, well, I'm glad that you like them because they're your problem now. So some parallel with uh, Frasier, which is now a hit sitcom on Paramount+. Plus, Which uh, hasn't been renewed for season two, which is very weird. Hmm, interesting. Um, and it wasn't Eddie. It was, uh, it was, oh. uh, it was um, Roz. She did it. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's one of those uh, lost episodes they're not allowed to air anymore. Very controversial. Makes I can see why. Because uh-huh. Roz, her character trait, Steve, was she was she slept around. That was her character trait. Right. Even with dogs. Uh, so Homer drives down a seedy street as Donna Summer's Last Dance plays. 
Both men and dog drive with their heads sticking out of the window, their tongues hanging out. They visit a doggy porno theater, uh, playing such films as Behind the Doggy Door, Long Dog Silver, and On Golf Retriever. Steve, have you rated all those movies at Blockbuster? Yeah, I went through the doggy door. and <laughs> So uh, then in an alleyway, Homer pays a sex worker and then uh, sends the helper and the sex worker's sex worker dog go behind the bushes for some sex, uh, presumably perform doggy style, mm. or as they call it, style. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, Homer asks the sex worker if she'd like to play air hockey, and she agrees for $350 an hour. So Homer accepts the challenge and runs into the Noiseland Arcade, which I never thought about, but it's in a very dirty part of town. You know, it needs to be where it needs to be for a plot, but uh, it's much like tapped out, right? You can put Noiseland wherever you want. That's true. What would you do with a sex worker that's not sex, Steve? Oh, boy. Um, I think we've had this discussion, like, let's buy a hooker, but, like, not do anything. Like, let's, like, let's take her out, you know, maybe we'll go to an arcade like Homer does, or... We're going to play Monopoly. Yeah, I think an amusement park would be fun. Uh, maybe a buffet. But they got to pay for her f- food, Steve. That's true. But, I mean, obviously, you can pull Larry David and use a carpool lane. That's what I was thinking. That might be, like, my th- favorite episode of Curb. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty up there for me, too. Because he get, gets his dad high, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a classic episode. Top five. I'm going to have to start rewatching Curb until the new season Probably in a month, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. The end of Curb. Well, we'll never get to the Simpsons end. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, Homer and Sinus the Little Helper arrive at Nut Landing Dog Neutering. But after they all they've been through, Homer just can't do it. So he tells Sinus the Little Helper to keep his loving for the couch cushions. So (laughs) back in the present day, Homer is choking the dog like he chokes his boy, saying that he broke their deal. And that they had an oral contract. So after Marge pulls Homer off, Santa's little helper, she instructs Bart and Lisa to find new homes for the puppies. She also warns them not to dump them off with, like, some crazy lady. And just as a crazy cat lady walks by rambling, sadly. But she's a crazy cat lady. She's not a crazy dog lady. No, you can't have dogs and cats because that would just be madness. You know who I call crazy dog lady? Who's that? White single women in their 30s. Ew. <laughs> Doesn't make sense, does it? No, but it sounds like it. It's something. <laughs> it also has all the cadence of a joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so first they go to Groundskeeper Willie, who finds one of the puppies to be irritable, wall-eyed, a misfit bastard, just like Willie. Next they offer a free dog to Snake Jailbird. He doesn't want the free handout, but he'll gladly steal one, pointing a gun at Bart and Lisa, saying that he'll cherish and care for the dog, and there's nothing they can do about it. He gives the dog a little kiss and then laughs wildly, driving off, thinking that he, he's getting away from something. They then visit the home of Krusty the Clown, who is trying to find something to watch on TV. Seen it. Bad. Boring. Saw it on the plane. Rerun. Rerun. Telemundo. Me. Turned it down. ABC. Banned from the set. Lame. Lame. Regis. Ugh. Let's see. Champagne or slim fast? Uh. Boy, that really passes the time. Want a puppy? He's at the peak of cuteness. 
You could nuzzle me all night. That's enough. I said that's enough. All right, Steve. Uh, here you go. There's a bottle of champagne and a can of Slimfast. Enjoy. <sighs> a Slimosa. <laughs> it just sounds like uh, you're going to have a diarrhea all day <laughs> with a champagne yeah. Slimfast. It's like, eh, it's not bad. Uh, no, it's kind of like a, an egg cream, but worse. Because, like, yeah, you'd have diarrhea and a headache. <laughs> yeah. Because, who's Regis? You know, you say, like, Regis, lame, lame. Do people know who Regis is, was? Oh, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's funny how big he was for, like, two or three years. That was more than that. I mean, Regis and Kathy Lee. Sure. And his relationship with Letterman. Yeah, who wants to be a millionaire. That'd be during the height of this, yeah. Wasn't he Joey Bishop's, like, uh, sidekick on the Joey Bishop show? Yeah, and he had an album of his own, too. But yeah, at this time, in, like, 2003, I think, this is, like, when um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was on, like, four nights a week. Who's the host of Millionaire Now? Isn't it, like, uh, is it Joey Behar, or is she not even doing it anymore? Meredith Vieira, I think. Oh, okay. I could be wrong, though. I have not... Is it still even on the air, I wonder? I think it's a daytime show. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Regis Feldman was a uh, TV personality who was married to uh, Kelly Ripa. <laughs> That's right. And then she divorced him to marry uh, Michael Strahan, and then <laughs> they got divorced, and now she's married to Mark Consuelo. Yeah. Uh, was she, she was also married to Ryan Seacrest for a bit, right? And then I think they so. got divorced. Okay. Right. Because <laughs> that's how it works, guys. If, if you're two hosts on TV, you have to be married. That's right. That's why we don't have a TV show. Right. Just because our wives would get mad. Right. Uh, you watch uh, SNL, Michael Che, and Colin Jost, they're married. Yeah. To each other. David Letterman, and Paul Schaefer. Married. Jimmy Fallon and uh, Steve Higgins, married. <laughs> Fred Armisen and Seth Meyers, married. Yep. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel and his cousin Sal. I was going to say Guillermo. <laughs> oh, yeah, Guillermo. That's what I mean. That's what I'm thinking yeah. of. Yeah. And then uh, Taylor Tomlinson, she gets married to... Three people and divorces them. <laughs> uh, After Midnight, Steve. That's the it's, name of the show. It's uh, a, show. a show. Yeah. Well, the, it, she used to be married to uh, Chris Hardwick, right? <laughs> okay. Um, hey, so besides, uh, you know, we're talking about Regis, but, you know, there's other shows like uh, Krusty Flicking Through. There's uh, a Lance Murdoch jumping through a Ring of Fire. Remember Lance Murdoch? Oh, yeah. You have the Jerry Springer show showing uh, featuring one of the... Uh, Cowboy butterflies from uh, Mars on the Lamb. And then, of course, he sees his own show. Um, yeah, Krusty takes his uh, new puppy on a walk, which leads him to the neighborhood he grew in. The Jewish street has all sorts of businesses, such as Circle K for Kosher Mart Kmart, LL Beanie Bargain Basement for Fine Yamakas, the I Can't Believe It's Not Treyas Bakery, a man selling DSL from a cart offering high speed connections. Steve, is DSL still. A way to get internet? I don't think so. I think it's all Wi-Fi. I mean, you can't plug your computer into a telephone line anymore? I mean, I guess you could, but I don't know how. <laughs> your your house probably has phone outlets. I think it might predate those. So your house is sold is before phones, and then never got upgraded to uh, phones. No, your house has a phone line. I'm sure it does. We just have. I just never noticed them because I haven't had a landline in like 25 years. Well, maybe you should get one. I should. You can chat on the phone with my uh, Con Air cellular phones. You could call radio stations and request uh, songs. 
Yeah, I can ask. Because you can't do that on the cell phone. Yeah. All right, what else we got, Steve? Uh, we have uh, Fantastic Shlomo's Barbershop with uh, Peos trims. And for those who are not aware, Peos are the little uh, curls that are on uh, Hasidic Jews' heads. And then another man in a cart selling Brazilian waxes. Velvety smooth Brazilian waxes. <laughs> uh, so Krusty then discovers the Jewish Walk of Fame. And so while he's stepping on Woody Allen's star, he tells his puppy to go on Sandy Kopech's star because Krusty lost 10 grand when uh, Sandy wouldn't pitch on Yom Kippur. And Krusty, he did five shows that night. <laughs> they uh, then tried to find his star. They passed John Lovitz, Alan King, the aforementioned Joey Bishop, Albert Einstein. I don't know if that's the scientist or the Albert Brooks. Lauren Michaels, Sherry Lewis, Lamb Chop. And even author, playwright, and rabbi Shyam Potok, who uh, Krusty assumes some kind of Klingon. All those names, but no star for Krusty. He visits the offices of the Jewish Walk of Fame, where the chosen get chosen, and he goes to get to the bottom of this. Well, of course you deserve a star, Krusty. Let me just ask you a few questions. Full name? Herschel Pincus Yerucham Krustovsky. Good, good. Circumcision? And then some. <laughs> Date of Bar Mitzvah? Well, I, uh, you see, the truth is, uh, I never had one. No bar mitzvah. In the eyes of God and the Springfield Jewish Walk of Fame Committee, you are not a Jewish man. Now, see here. Do you know how much I donate to the B'nai Breath? Actually, I do. Goodbye. What's wrong? I just found out I'm not Jewish. Oh, I was turned down by all those country clubs for nothing. Well, you're still my hero. So what? Everything's changed. I thought I was a self-hating Jew. But it turns out I'm just a plain old anti-Semite. They have so much to discuss. Oh. Circumcision, and then some. I'm going to start you <laughs> Uh, looks like, uh, they're outing, uh, Rainier for being, um, a Nazi. That's right. He belongs in the Republican Party. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I think especially because he is kind of stuck in being 90s Arnold. Because, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger now, even though he's still a Republican, has become more progressive and, you know, a bit more liberal with his views and his marriage as well. But... <laughs> I think that the idea of Rainier Wolfcastle is kind of stuck in the 90s vision of Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was, like, maybe assumed to be a bit more problematic. Why is there jingling bells in your background? I'm sorry. Uh, producer Milo was getting a little restless, so I was trying to keep him occupied to prevent noise, but then, in fact, made more noise. All right, well, Krusty sits on a bench telling Bar and Lisa the reason his life is so empty, he never had a bar mitzvah. So Bart tries to cheer Krusty up by showing him that he's a clue in the People's Magazine crossword puzzle listed as Unfunny Clown. So it's six letters of Krusty. What, what name could also fit there? Hmm, six letters. Gallagher. I'll see. I think there's more letters than... Yeah, you're right. In that name. Yeah. Um, trying to think of other clowns. Joker with an exclamation point. <laughs> I don't think exclamation points are allowed in crosswords, Steve. Sometimes they are. If it's one True. of those weird Wednesday days, or one of those no. weird Thursday days that little shorts go crazy, you don't know what you're doing, and then you have to look it up, and they're like, oh, I'm an idiot, because they put, like, exclamation points or, like, three letters in one square, and then it pisses you off. Uh, For theory, I, 
Yeah. Maybe that's what the this what is. Batman would fit, but he's not a clown. No. Um Joe Coy. Sounds like Joker. Yeah. All right. Lisa explains to Bart that uh, Bar Mitzvah is the most important event in a Jewish boy's life when he reads from the Torah and becomes a man. Krusty agrees with Lisa, calling her a little shitska. Without a rite of passage, he's just a boy with a prostate the size of a goat's head. But Lisa, she's confused. Krusty's father is a rabbi. Why wouldn't he have had a bar mitzvah? And uh, Krusty isn't sure as he's lived a hard life and there's big gaps in his memory. He remembers learning how to ride a bike and then pretty much nothing else up until that moment. So Bart suggests that they ask Krusty's dad and Krusty thinks that that might just be the answer. Yeah, right. My father will put this in a spiritual philosophical context. I'll tell you why you didn't have a bar mitzvah. It's because you're a putz. Everything is a joke to you. I was afraid you'd make a mockery out of the whole ceremony. Like you're making a mockery out of me right now. Maybe I am, but you can't argue with the laughs. Ah, so what? It's not my job to make kids laugh. Yes, it is. You're a clown. Oh, without a bar mitzvah, I'm nothing. <laughs> Krusty, you can still have your bar mitzvah as an adult. That'd be great. Are you sure that's kosher? Mm. There's nothing in the Talmud that forbids it. How do you know all this stuff? I have a Jewish imaginary friend. Her name is Rachel Cohen, and she just got into Brandeis. Wonderful. Since this is a podcast, you can't see anything, but when Krusty's dad, uh, Rabbi Krustowski's talking about how he's making a joke, he's just behind him doing all these funny faces. That's fun. Um, it reminds me of like when Bart makes funny faces, and that's like uh, where he got it from. I like how it's, uh, I'm not here to make people laugh, and that's exactly what you're here to do. <laughs> it's your job. Fun stuff. And uh, looks, we got uh, Jackie Mason back as Krusty's dad. This is the second time he's appeared after appearing in Seasons 3, uh, like Father Like Cloud. So, yeah, second appearance. Took him how many years to get them back? A lot. Yeah, like 10 years, maybe? Yeah. More than that, Steve. We're in Season 15. That was Season 3. All right, Steve, do the math. Is well, carry the 2, carry the 5, add the 3, subtract the 10. Yeah, 12 weeks. Isn't that uh, Joke Joe doing that uh, math? Oh, yeah. I'm Joke Joe. Like, uh, carry the 3, divide the... Yeah, Joke Joe. Sorry. Okay, that's fine. But he would later go on to uh, appear in 12 more episodes before his uh, death in 2021. Rest in power, King. So, at the opening of an episode of Krusty the Clown, the titular performer begins with his usual hey, hey, kids, and then makes a confession. Underneath all the plastic surgery, he's actually a Jew, and from now on, he's going to embrace his fate. As he dons his yarmulke, the children in the audience cheer wildly, with Nelson asking, what's not to like? Krusty then offers to pass his traditions in the same way as people have passed them down for generations, through animation. Well, it's a special episode of Itchy and Scratchy show entitled, A Briss Before Dying. And in the cartoon, Scratchy is a moil offering a prayer before circumcising a young baby Itchy. He then pulls out his knife, but the baby Itchy hops on his head and pulls out his eyeballs. And Scratchy tries to stab the mouse, but instead cuts his ears, nose, left arm, before cutting his whole body to pieces. So Itchy then puts those body parts through a meat grinder, cooks them over in open flame, and forms it into a wine glass, which he wraps in a cloth and steps on it, saying, Mausoltov. As the cartoon hints, Krusty tells his audience, that's what I believe in now. That's a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. I always love a good uh, Itchy Scratchy cartoon. So after the show, Krusty checks the races while uh, Mr. Teeny gives him a massage. The Simpsons pop in to tell him what a wonderful show he had, but Krusty has a bigger issue. 
Krusty, that was a great show. Once I was clapping and the applause line wasn't even on. Hey, that's great, but I got a problem. The schedule has me working on Saturdays. That's the Sabbath. Well, we could tape two shows on Friday. Are you nuts? I can barely get through one show on Friday, even with the... Uh, you know, smelling flowers. Such expensive flowers, filled with remorse. Anyway, we gotta book a guest host. How about John Stewart? He's a son, a lover, and a pundit rolled into one sexy package. He'd be perfect, so forget it. I need a guest host so bad, he can never replace me. I need someone who's not intelligent, not good-looking, and so utterly repellent he... I'm your man. Man, are you unpleasant? You're in. You're in? He's P? Uh-oh. At first you're thinking, are we going to get a John Stewart cameo? We don't. I know. But uh, Marge has a lady boner for John Stewart. That's that's fun. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, he's smart and, you know, sexy. <laughs> I get it. I also like in this episode how indifferent Krusty is towards Bart. Like, in the beginning, like, he's like saying, but you're still my hero. And Krusty's like, yeah, I don't care. And then here it's like, <laughs> Bart's like, hey, what a great show. I was laughing even when the audience side was on. I was like, okay, but like, yeah, I don't care. Like, it's like that, you know, even though that they've been through much to- so much together, Krusty could not give two shits about Bart. Well, it's kind of like canon that Krusty doesn't really remember Bart every yeah. time like Bart and Lisa do something because he's, you know, an egotistical Hollywood elite, just like um, every person that works on The Simpsons. Yeah, Matt Grant uh, doesn't remember me. He used to uh, go to his house every weekend when he lived in Portland and wash his car, water his plants. Just a lot of washing things, you know? I never touched his feet, in case that's what you're wondering. <laughs> yeah, because he was your next door neighbor. Mm-hmm. And you would always, like, skateboard to his house with your slingshot. That's right. Or he had uh, yellow spiky hair. Mm-hmm. Always wore blue shorts and an orange or red shirt. And then all of a sudden, he draws Bart. I mean, mm. he used to always spray paint his garage door, El Stevo. That's right. Always told him to eat your shorts. What else did you do to your Mister Mister Grainy when you lived by him? As when you were a kid, when you were a menace. Uh, what did I do? Oh boy. Uh, see, there's. I would put cherry bombs in his toilet. I'd uh, eat eat the last of his cupcakes and drink all of his frosty milkshakes. And really, that's why I started this podcast, is because I want to sue Mac Raining for uh, taking my likeness. <laughs> I also want to sue the people of uh, Jackass for taking my uh, graffiti tag, Stevo and giving it to that weird circus performer. S-T-E-V-E-O. That's six letters, Steve. Hey, I'm an unflinny clown. All right. The next day, Sideshow Mail announces to the children that the beloved show has undergone a reformatting. The kids cheer with delight, and Mel then says... Let's get ready to sit quietly. And he introduces the guest host, the ultimate placeholder, Homer Simpson. We then see Homer sitting at a chair surrounded by his friends. He welcomes the viewer to the Homer Simpson show and then says, next card. Uh, reading from the cue cards. And then welcomes his guest, Mo Sislak, local businessman, Carl Carlson, raconteur, and Lenny Leonard, three-time juror. He then asks the three men, what is on their minds, thereby inventing the modern podcast. Ah, uh, yes. Three guys, four guys talking around, doing, talking about nothing. Uh, so they all sit in awkward silence until Lisa speaks to Homer uh, from the control booth, saying that he has to say something, something meaningful. Homer starts with an observation, asking if people notice that seats are too small for normal-looking guys like him. 
from theaters to airplanes and even the, even the set he's on now. And he stands up and the chair is still wrapped around his fat ass as two uh, stage hands try to pull it off. Uh, so comic book guy is watching and he agrees wholeheartedly as the camera zooms out to reveal that his ass is stuck in a teacup ride seat as he regrets partaking in the ride after dining at Beauty and the Beast's Fried Dough Chateau. Carl then keeps the conversation stimulating, which a couple of construction workers and a pregnant woman really seem to enjoy. Meanwhile, Krusty begins his spiritual education. Hey, I got a question. How come oldies stations are always playing the same song? How about some new oldies, geniuses? Boy, these guys are right on the money. Yeah, my neck is sore from agreeing so much. Hey, baby, you looking for a good time, huh? Go home, turn on your television, Channel 6. Thanks for the tip. Yeah, yeah, twins, I get it. Now, let's watch something I'm really interested in. Who has more power, Miss America or Miss USA? I think one's elected and the other one's appointed. I think your water just broke. Will you be quiet? Now you can't mix milk and meat. You got that? And on Christmas Day, you must eat Chinese food. And pork is strictly forbidden. Uh-oh. All these rules, I feel like I'm in a strip club. First of all, I like his sandwich with the old pig in it. But also, I love the construction workers. Actually kind of helpful for the lady. You know, you think they're going to be all sexist and cat collie, and they're just like, hey, watch this, you'll enjoy it. It's, it's nice. Yeah, yeah, I got a good time for you. <laughs> it's uh, the joke of being unexpected, mm-hmm. uh, the punchline, which is, uh, you know, you're expecting what you just said. Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, Carl's right. Like, come on, oldies, make a new oldie. See, I agree with you, but also now, like, classic rock stations are playing Nirvana. So, like, I don't <laughs> want oldie stations to remind me of how old i am yeah because like when we were kids you had oldies which was you like everly brothers old elvis you know that was considered oldies Mm -hmm. uh, buddy holly and then you have you know classic rock which of course was like the like the stones and the beatles like pre like you could have like oldie stations could play the first couple beatles albums Mm -hmm. but then classic rock stations would play like after like rubber soul right or Revolver. And then you had our music, which was, you said, like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, like the grunge era. What's really weird is, like, speaking of that, like, oldies, like, Green Day is going on tour, and they're going to play Dookie, and that album is, like, 25 years old now, which seems really weird. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> like, oh, that that would be considered classic rock now, right? Yeah, because when you say 25, you mean 30. Oh, is it 30 years? Jesus. That's an old album. Yeah. <laughs> But it was cool. Didn't the CD case, like, was, like, brown? I think it might have been. And, like, you have all that fun artwork. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it just because, like, uh, it shows our age, but, like, it's one of those albums that I think is, like, every song is a hit. Much like Weezer Blue. Oh, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, if I, like, had to, like, list my album to the 90s where it's all filler, no, uh, or all, all killer, no filler, like, those two albums to me, and weirdly the Breeders uh, album... Like <laughs> the Breeders album, <laughs> the one with you know Last Flash on it. Um, yeah, yeah, Cannibal. Yeah, but yeah, because if I think of like '90s, you know, it's um, like Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill. I also feel like is like a banger. Sure, of an album. Yeah, they were all like hits. But I think it's just like shows our hit. Like <laughs> it's because we had four albums and we listened to it. But but like the Green Day, like the like you would hear the, all those songs. Yeah, like on the radio. 
I mean, even like, yeah, like Nevermind Nirvana still is, is kind of one of those albums too. Mm-hmm. Or even like the Nirvana uh, Unplugged album, like that, like, I oh, feel like duh. everything on that album we heard on the radio. Right. But, you know, even before we were born, you had the Ramones, like, first album, like, I think is like a banger. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, Steve Miller Band's Greatest Hits <laughs> and Eagles Greatest Hits, Volume 1. That's right. <laughs> How did we get to this tangent? Oh, because of Carl. There you go, Carl. Uh, yeah. What actually? What was there was another one that that came to me being old was uh, I think Lady Gaga uh, Poker Face, right? Mm-hmm. And that so that I think that song is like sixteen or fifteen years old now. Oh God, <laughs> yeah. Because in my mind, it's like, like a that's new a new song. song. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh, I'll listen to this new artist, Lady Gaga, but now she's like on TV commercials, like hawking like arthritis medication or something. And you're like, oh man. <laughs> I don't know if it's arthritis medication, but it's, it's some sort of medication. Right, like, yeah. Why is she hawking some pharmaceutical commercials? So weird. We're old. Yeah, Har- Harley Quinn herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as Homer receives his makeup in the dressing room, uh, producer Lisa asks what he wants to talk about on the night show. And isn't it funny, like last week when I was making, like, what do you think this episode's about? Didn't I say like, Lisa would be like a producer? Yeah. Or something? <laughs> yeah. And like, it kind of came true. They all became like... Uh, backstage people on the show, like mm-hmm. Bart and Lisa. Uh, well, Lenny offers to raise an issue, and Homer wonders why Lenny is being so formal, as he is Homer's go-to guy. Lenny laughs and then asks for a small cost of living raise, and Homer ponders this, and then begins the show by introducing his new panelist, and Lenny's replacement, Barney Gumble. And Barney complains about the brightness of the stage lights and asks them to be moved. So then the next show, we see Homer and the panelists, and no more Barney, it's Disco Stew. Stew's drinking from Lenny's mug saying that Disco Stew knows his place. <laughs> so Marge watches from backstage saying that her husband is a power mad star. Maybe now they can get that padding uh, that goes under rugs. And um, it's funny because in this, in this, you're watching that, you'll see that her dialogue doesn't uh, match up. And evidently they changed it to whatever it was. And it was in the commentary, which I did not listen to. But yeah, well, I didn't listen to the commentary because I... Do I have? I don't think I have season fifteen DVD. Yeah, I might. I don't, I'm not sure if I do. Um, I know it'd be it's too difficult for me to get up and look. Yeah, so. no troubles. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah, I tried reading her lips, but of course it's animation, so you can't really read lips. I wonder if it was just like a joke that wasn't funny, or maybe it was controversial and they had to cut it. Mm-hmm. And the internet won't tell us, Steve. Uh, no. All right. Um, let's just imagine what she uh, said. They can afford to get Bart circumcised. I'm going to go to uh, find out what was going on in December of 2003. All right, so maybe maybe Marge made this joke, which occurred on December 6th, so we had to edit it that night. Uh, she said, maybe they can afford to buy cocaine for George Clinton, the founder of PFUC, because on uh, the 6th of 2003, he was arrested for cocaine possession. <laughs> Trex. There's a uh, fun story about whenever George Clinton would visit Portland, Oregon, the town which he lived in, he would have his roadies go out into the streets of Portland to find crack dealers so that he could have crack before his show. So, yeah, that tracks. All right. Well, that's what Marsh said then. Alrighty. We'll just say that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, meanwhile, Krusty continues to learn to recite from the Torah, impressing his father enough to earn a Dr. Brown soda, which, um, I don't know if you've ever had a Dr. Brown soda, but they're delicious. I just send some folks from the network pay Krusty a visit. Krusty, you know Diane Stu and Jeremy from the network? Hey, 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 hey. 
Crossley, we've got some bad news. We think you're super talented. Oh, God, you're canceling me! Crusty, Crusty, TV is a fickle business. You've had a good run, but Homer Simpson's a fresh face and... You're not doing this fast enough. You're fired, too. I'm... No! <laughs> Just the music of... <laughs> Like the sadness of that guy getting fired, even though we don't know him. Like they're just trying to invoke some sympathy. <laughs> Poor Jeremy. He was like my favorite character. So good. I love that ponytail. It's funny. I also like how uh, Cressy just introducing himself to everybody. He goes like, hey, 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 hey. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Um, at the Gilded Truffle, the Simpsons dining experience is interrupted by Clancy and Ralph Wiggum. The chief hates to bother Homer when he's eating, but he's always eating. So Clancy asks for an autograph for Ralph. And Homer is happy to oblige, and Ralph says that he eats Legos. And Homer responds that he did too, and look where he is today. <laughs> he then hands Ralph a napkin with his signature, which features poor handwriting and a couple of backward R's. <laughs> uh, we probably discussed like that joke, like it should be joke gel, like when kids write letters backwards. Yeah. But there's something about like Homer doing it, I think it's kind of funny. It is. I just wish they would have mixed it up because like I, I've always had bad handwriting and like, but I never made a backwards R. I'm literally doing it right now. It's it's difficult to write letters backwards. Yeah. And like, an I'm going to write R is not like, yeah, I'm going to, okay. I'm going to do a uh, capital A, but uh, backwards here. See, it's too difficult. I can't do it. Okay. Now just do make it easier for yourself. Do a backward H. Again, can't do it. Uh, letter I. Capital or lowercase? Uh, capital. But even with the like serifs? Yeah. <laughs> no, can't do it. Uh, letter M. Nope. W? I could do upside down M. Oh, yeah. No, it just looks like a W. Mm. Damn it. Damn. Yeah, see, it's hard. Yeah. So Homer loves that everyone enjoys the show. So so does Lisa, saying that uh, he has tremendous power. Maybe now it's time to put it to good use. Homer agrees and then imagines Abe Lincoln at Ford Theater. Homer tells the 16th president to duck. And as John Wilkes Booth <laughs> comes in brandishing a gun... Homer karate chops the back of the would-be assassin's neck. Uh, Abe Lincoln shakes Homer's hand, thanking him, and this image replaces Lincoln's face on the $5 bill. Lisa interrupts Homer's fantasy, which is very funny, to say that he should really, uh, that his show could say something that really means something and could change the world for the better. Bart disagrees, saying that Homer should live fast, die young, and leave a big, fat corpse. Homer thinks for a moment and then comes to the conclusion that he took Bart's advice last week, so he supposes that it's Lisa's turn. And so I was just curious, and the episode from the week prior is the Fat and the Furious, which we have yet to review, but basically Homer fights a bear because he embarked by the same thing for Marge for uh, Mother's Day, and then he exchanges it for a machine that makes cotton candy, and then he makes a big cotton candy ball, and the bear wants it. And so I don't know that he actually took part to the device, but I just wanted to connect it to see. Congratulations, Steve. Thank you. Maybe next time you can watch the episode. Maybe next time. Homer then excuses himself to have another fantasy in a book depository in Dallas, Texas. And Lee Harvey Oswald aims a rifle just as Homer and Abe Lee can arrive at the scene. Homer offers to hit him low as Honest Abe hits him high. So they beat up Oswald, preventing the death of JFK and changing the course of America forever. <laughs> That's fun. In the middle of nowhere, a trailer sits. It's the world headquarters of the Fox Network. Inside, Krusty pleads with the uh, Foxy executives, and since his own network dumped him, maybe he could find a new home at, ugh, Fox. Uh, the suits from Fox aren't so sure. 
Meanwhile, Homer tries to cover some more heady topics. Oh, I'm sorry, Krusty. People aren't interested in stars anymore. They want reality. Wait, idiot. How about a show where girls think I'm a millionaire? But what they don't know is I'm rife with disease. Okay, okay. How about one where I move in with a poor family and laugh at them? <laughs> you see me? Okay, how about you televise my bar mitzvah? Live, please. You people are known for taking chances on crap. You know, we've had a great time in this show, riffing on small, unimportant subjects. Uh, now, wait a minute. Dirty words you can spell on your calculator is a very important subject. <laughs> Boobs. <laughs> that's just like what girls got. Well, that's all over now. From now on, we will focus solely on important issues. Every year, the gulf between rich and poor nations gets larger. Yet the IMF insists on unrealistic debt repayment schedules. This is like, uh, what am I watching, a John Oliver now? With Homer? <laughs> yeah, it's a bummer. It's like, oh, this is useful information that's kind of sad. It's like, you start the show, you're like, this is going to be a half an hour of fun jokes. First five minutes, you're laughing. And they're like, oh, man, the world sucks. And now it's your main John topic Oliver. tonight. It's like, <laughs> ah, childhood death. Like, but then it ends, you know, with them, like, uh, making a bird of the century, you know, joke. Right, right. Such a good, weird show that makes me happy and sad at the same time. Like The Simpsons? Exactly. Um, I also like uh, Mo discovering boobs on the calculator, <laughs> just like well, what what girls got, and you know some boys, and you know the non-binary folks too, and especially uh, maybe two hosts of a not popular Simpsons podcast. Exactly. We got B cups at least. I'm rocking a nice D. Oh yeah. Well, at the Springfield Retirement Castle, Abe and his cohorts watch Homer's show saying, It stinks. Grandpa knew Homer would blow it. So he goes to change the channel, but the remote is on the floor, just out of reach. He then gives up saying that the remote control may as well be in China. Do you ever have, like, moments of lament where, like, you drop your remote, like, behind the couch? You're just like, <laughs> All the time. My wife and I tend to watch a lot of TV in bed, and sometimes, like, the remote will get lost in the covers. I'm just like, eh, this will work. <laughs> but did you set the timer to make sure it turns off? Oh, yeah. Every night, got to set that timer. That's right. What are you, uh, 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 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, 60, 120? Whoa, I'm not Matt Pinfield. Um, I think 30 minutes is probably good. Too long, I just want to keep on watching, and then I don't go to sleep. I think we're uh, we're 40. That's reasonable. I, I, I go to sleep faster than, than she does, so. In fact, I'm sleeping most of the time on this podcast. <laughs> Clearly. So, at the Springfield Stadium... It's Krusty the Clown's Wet and Wild Bar Mitzvah, where the first two rows may get converted. Uh, with a mighty Shalom Springfield, Mel welcomes a crowd who offers a mild Shalom in response. Mel says, I can't smear you, and the audience responds with a much more enthusiastic Shalom. Krusty warms his, his voice as Mel introduces him and a very special guest. <laughs> Now to get you in the bar mitzvah mood, put your hands together for the Beach Boys! Experience! Mezuzah, menorah, reading from the Torah. Pastrami, knishes, on to sets of dishes. A church with no steeple for God's chosen people. Now let's meet a man who's muscle-bound, and a man who's bound not to eat muscles, Mr. T and Krusty the Clown! (laughs) 
I haven't seen you since we roasted Chevy Chase. Yeah, we were kind of rough on him. I felt bad for the guy. You pitied the fool? That's one way of putting it. Time for me to get into character. So let's start with the uh, Beach Boys experience. Um, mm-hmm. What did you think of that rendition of uh, Kokomo, or a parody thereof? That's the greatest song ever. True. How about you? I, I thought it was fun. Um, All right. And then we got Mr. T, who uh, I think that the first uh, Pity the Fool joke, pretty good. <laughs> because he's not going to say it. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wondered, though, what would it sound like if Mr. T and E.T. had a child? Hmm. wonder. Well, I think it would go a little something like this. I pity the fool who doesn't phone home. <laughs> uh, that's some great comedy. It reminds me of like the way that uh, white people drive like, yeah. do, 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 do. Whereas black people, they drive like doom doom, digga digga doom doom. Oh, I was laughing so loud I couldn't like breathe. Clearly, you know that <laughs> that was very funny. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. T removes his iconic mohawk, placing it in a suitcase with other attachments such as dreadlocks and hair tied around a bone like a pebbles Flintstone. And then Mr. T opts for a, a tuft of hair shaped like a yarmulke and then pulls down his halo's ringlets, saying, uh, "Let's scroll." He then reads from the Torah, ending his prayer with his trademark, Fool. So on Homer's show, he continues his impassioned speech, asking why should America consume 90% of the world's resources when Argentina must devalue her currency to pay her debts? Homer sobs and then sees that his panel has all left, even Carl, who is using Homer as a ride home. Bart steps on the stage to tell Homer that he blew it. He listened to Lisa and lost a string to hold on the audience. Homer responds with, all audience you and then strangles Bart, which we love to see. Uh, the Hibberts mm-hmm. uh, watch at home, and Julius realizes that's why Bart has all those broken tracheal bones, which is a very dark joke. Yeah. Uh, and he says, like, typo tie my ass. I mean, I know that Homer choking Bart is an ongoing thing that's darker, and that's why they kind of, like, side away from it. But to think about, like, Bart actually going to the doctor and being like, I have all these broken neck bones, and then to lie about the cause of them from a bow tie like if you know this happens in real life bart's getting taken away by services bart's has a new family (laughs) exactly child abuse is only funny in cartoons not in real life that's right uh dr hibbert then switches to the channel uh to cressy's bar mitzvah which is offering the world's largest potato pancake and steve if you look outside your door there's your living room i i couldn't afford the world's largest potato pancake i'm sorry that's fair i understand are you a fan of latkes? I love a latke. Yeah. Like, there's nothing, like, potato-based that you would scoff at, right? Aside from, like, uh, maybe a potato salad, but other than that, and even though some of those are good, but yeah, most potato products are delightful, and I love them a lot. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the American cold potato salad. Yeah, that's right. I like a German I potato salad. think it's... Yeah, warm German potato salad is, like, the best. Yeah. Does Idaho have, like, a potato festival, like, annual... F- like every year, I think they do. Like, yeah, like thousands of people show up. Like a, their version of like a Oktoberfest, but like a Potato Fest. Mm-hmm. We should look into that, and we'll take a vacation, and we'll go to Potato Fest for you. I think it's held in the eyes of March, because potatoes they have eyes. Yeah. Anyways, uh, back at Homer's show, he's still choking Bart when a producer tells him that he's canceled, and he has five minutes to get off the set. Is he canceled the show, or is he canceled because he's choking his son? Probably a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Homer sadly walks out of the studio, and 
to his parking spot, which is about to be painted over. Uh, Raphael tells Homer that it'll be quick and painless as he replaces Homer's name with audio department. Uh, so Marge comforts Homer, saying that he went out in the classiest way possible and that she is very proud of him. Homer tells her that he thanks God every day for her settling for him. And then after they hug, Homer notices that his car is missing. And Raphael points behind him where Homer's car has been thrown in a trash co dumpster. Homer begins to cry, but Marge invites him to go to the make-your-own Sunday place. And Homer agrees, provided that Marge make his Sunday for him. Aw. Back at Fox, Cresty wraps up his bar mitzvah presentation. He thanks the cast of the stage production of Lion King. And he introduces the superstar of David, Mr. T. Mr. T, born Lawrence Trudeau, states that he pities the shul who won't let Krusty in now. He is tied to a giant menorah, which Krusty spins as Mr. T spins, and fireworks go off, and the crowd is very impressed. So the former A-Team star says that uh, he wished he invested his money in better. <laughs> Krusty looks at the hobby crowd and feels great until he sees his father looking at him with disappointment. So after the show, Krusty receives good news about the ratings, but has one more thing to do. Krusty, the ratings were good. Raymond rerun good. Great, but there's one thing that's still nagging at me. I want a real bar mitzvah in a temple. Wonderful. I'm hungry. Are they married yet? They're not getting married. Then whose garter is this? I was trying to hit the dentist. And now, finally, I am a man. I pity the fool. Who didn't bring an envelope to this bar mitzvah? So, three pity the fool jokes. What would Homer do if he found out that uh, Garter was uh, Patty's oh, or Selma's? Be pretty disgusted, I think. Yeah. Did, uh, who got your wife's Garter? Did she do that tradition? No, we... At your wedding? Yeah. We both find it creepy and weird. It is weird, right? Yeah. Like, that is... Yeah. That's <laughs> so weird. You're surrounded by family. <laughs> And yeah, I I don't know. It's just a weird thing. Like sometimes they'll remove it with your teeth or whatever. And it's just like, ew. And I'm trying to think, I don't think I've ever been to a wedding where that happens. My brother's third wedding, he did it. And, uh, weird. Yeah. Like, uh, the throwing of the bouquet, I think is not as fine. Yeah. But then you're like, why am I going to throw this? It costs thousands of dollars. That's also true. Like you spend so much money (laughs) and you don't want to like waste anything. Yeah. Well, Steve. I don't want to waste our listeners' time. So let's go ahead and take a break and then come back and wrap up this week's episode. How about that? Sounds great. All right. We'll be right back. And we're back. Steve, let's wrap up this week's episode today. I'm a clown. We'll talk about some of our favorite jokes, some scenes. Maybe give an MVJ to a character that we thought was deserving of that, which means most valuable jokester. Then we'll give a nice little review, find out what we're watching next week. But before we do that, we like to take something from this episode and say, here, here's a gift, an item from this episode that I think my co-host would love. And uh, while there's many things that I'd like to give you from this episode, Steve, I was walking down the uh, Jewish district of our city and I thought, hmm, Steve could really use a Brazilian from a Jewish man at a cart. So, Steve, here's a gift certificate to a Brazilian by this uh, Jewish man at his cart. Wow, that's amazing. But wait, there's more. I'm going to get uh, 
let the listeners know on a little uh, personal thing about you, Steve. And uh, I also got you a gift certificate to uh, half off of a circumcision. <laughs> Thank you. So you can have your own, your uh, bris. And it's half off, the coupon. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be a cut above the rest. That's well, it. That's all. That's all. Well, Craig, I appreciate that. Um, it's coincidental that you got me, uh, you're walking down the street and you got me a Brazilian because I got you a Brazilian streetwalker. Uh, that's right. I got you your own sex worker to take to the arcade and plenty of tokens so you can play air hockey or, you know, you can play, uh, you know, you can take a play Tekken 2, Street Fighter, Big Buck Hunter, Guitar Hero, whatever you want. I really am into the uh, air hockey, so I appreciate that. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it'll be fun. All right. Maybe we could have a double date, Steve. <laughs> sure. I'll u- let you play with my sex worker. <laughs> That's very kind of you. At air hockey. Right, yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah. All right, Steve. Uh, hey, did you have some laughs? I did. Tell us about them. Uh, well, let's see. I really enjoyed um, some of the sillier stuff from this episode. The... Um, the construction workers cat calling the lady, telling them to watch this show that they'll enjoy. The pregnant woman who's impatient with Dr. Hibbert. The fantasies of Homer, I think I really liked with him and Abe Lincoln. Just so goofy, so much fun. I, I liked how frustrated uh, Krusty's dad was when, like, Krusty was like, uh, is that Kasher? I thought that was fun. I think that my MBJ is probably going to be Homer in this one because of his silliness. As I recall last week, you hated Homer, so he won you over this week. That's true. You're right. Um, All right. It's funny because, yeah, last week we felt that, or I felt that Homer wasn't necessary to the plot, and here, I think that he really helps it, and I feel bad for him because he still hasn't peed. Yeah, I like the joke of him hosting the show, and it starts off bad, but then he starts getting into, like, really, like, interesting geopolitical discussion. Like, (laughs) it's not stupid, like, I like beer and bowling, but it's actually wanting a conversation. I think this was just kind of trying to be like a Bill Maher at that time. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was questioning Dr. Hibbert, but I think he had some fun lines, especially in the beginning, the Dr. Hibbert-isms, naming his dog uh, Rosa Barks is funny, and then the darkness of, oh, that's why those bones <laughs> in Bart's necks are broken. And, uh, you know, fun celebrity appearance by Mr. T, right? Yeah. Itchy and Scratchy cartoon was great. Oh, yeah. And... The cat calling construction worker, that joke is great too. So, um, you know what? I'm going to give it to Itchy. Congratulations, Itchy. You get your MBJ. First MBJ, I think, on this podcast. I think you're right. And well deserved too. But uh, hey, where's Itchy's, uh, you know, penis? <laughs> What's he going to circumcise? There's nothing there. That's true. I mean, like maybe it went up inside of his body. Is that what mouse dicks do? <laughs> um, it's a new documentary about from Disney. What do mouse dicks do? Oh, well, I just now put that together. There's two famous mice in the Dizzy. You got Mickey and you got uh, Scratch or uh, Itchy. That's true. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. There's this got to be, would there ever be a, a world where they do how Dis- on Disney Plus they do the those little shorts every now and then? Is there ever going to be a Mickey meets Itchy short? <laughs> I and they both think- kill Scratchy. <laughs> I mean, they can do it now with, uh, you know, Mickey being in the public domain, kind of, or at least Steamboat Willie, so... They could do the Steamboat Willie. Oh, come on. Matt Groening, get off your ass and draw this for us. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> you too, Allie Jean. Don't you draw this show? Is that what a showrunner does on this? I assume so, yeah. Or they just, like, take the episode and run on a, on a treadmill. Is that what they do? <laughs> yeah, that's why they're showrunners. I gotta figure, like, 
they take the finished product and run it to a um, a theater, and then they play it, and then they videotape it on their phone, and they upload it to the internet. Yeah. That's how TV works, right? I think so. Uh, all right, Steve, enough of our Tom Furley. What did you, you think about this episode? Uh, you know, we're talking about a period close to the golden age, and I think this is a fun episode. It's kind of retreading some familiar territory, you know, with the puppies and Krusty's Jewishness and, you know, his dad. But I think that this is kind of a fun, fresh take. And what it lacks in plot, I think it makes up for in humor. Like, it's a fun, goofy episode that, aside from Mr. T, doesn't feel too much of its time. And I like the converged, like, the where it started and where it ended. Like, the opening gag of Maggie in the bathroom was so much fun. And Lisa, you know, talking about, like, why don't we try anything twice? And then the visual gags of, like, the drugs falling from the uh, medicine cabinet. And the way that leads into Hibbert having puppies with Senna's little helper. And then that leading to Krusty getting a dog, which leads him to realize that he wasn't bar mitzvah. Like, that's a fun kind of thing. It's a fun journey. And I think the way that Homer ties in with it, I think that's pretty good. So, all in all, I think it's pretty solid. Now, if I had to give it a ranking, a numerical ranking... I would say that, you know, typically you're 13 years old when you become a man or a woman with your bar or bat mitzvah, respectively. And so I'm going to give this a solid uh, 10 out of 13. What do you well, think, Well, high score. Yeah. I, I thought it was fine. I mean, it was okay. okay. I liked, you know, there was a couple moments in it that were enjoyable. Yeah, I'm just going to give it an okay. That's fair. There's my review. It's okay. I did enjoy Homer's... TV show. I think that was kind of interesting. You know what? No, it's better than okay. It was it was uh, decent. I mean, I get what you're saying too, though, because it's not that it was like the best episode ever, but I felt it, it felt comfortable and familiar. Like, it just felt like I was like not a person who does a Simpsons podcast, but I was just putting on the show that I like, The Simpsons, and watching some episodes. It was, you know, not like the star of the show or like not like the best show ever, but it was just like, it was an okay one. So yeah. Yeah. There's there's nothing in this episode that is offensive. I mean, I mean offensive, not like um, you know offending someone, but I mean like joke jail type of jokes mm-hmm. or of the time jokes. Yet you know th- there might be things that put it in this time period. You know, uh, like the Regis joke or Jerry Springer that sort of thing. But and it's also like a fun like uh, you know callback to old episodes of The Simpsons with. Krusty's dad returning, and then also talking about the episode where Santa's little helper has dogs, which is a fun episode. So yeah, it's a nice continuity, uh, growing continuity episode. So it's good in that respect. And yeah, of course I'm going to watch this again. And uh, I think uh, Mazel Tov, that's what I'll say to it. Mazel Tov, or Mazel Tov. Well, if I had to give this a ranking, uh, I'm going to rank it out of, uh, Steve, how old do you think the, the Torah is? Oh boy, it's got to be at least 70 years old. 70? Yeah. Yeah, it's at least 70. <laughs> the final Torah is widely seen as a product of the Persian period between 539 to 333 BCE, or probably around 450 to 350 BC. So, uh, out of a 350 BCE, I'm going to give it a, uh, I'll give it a 250 BCE. Yeah, that seems about right. Okay. Ah, uh, yeah. One of those times when people just like counted down to like zero, like it was a weird way to to date the years. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Steve. I had fun uh, 
watching this episode like I do every week with you. But sadly, we have to go away. No. Before we do that, we're going to find out what we're watching next week. And Steve, I'll be glad to let you know that there's no new episode. So we have to use the old wheel. The wheel's having a great time, by the way. Oh, yeah. Excited to be used, much like uh, those dog hookers that Homer buys. <laughs> so, Steve, let's <laughs> give the wheel of random a spin to see what season we're in. Ba-doop. We have season 25. Season 25. All right, Steve. Excited to see what episode number it is? Oh, boy. Are you? Yeah, I am. Very excited. All right, well, spin the goddamn wheel. Oh, yeah. Boop. We have episode 16. Season 25, episode 16. What do you think the title is? Oh boy, well, this one was Today I Am a Clown, and there wouldn't be related for any particular reason. Hmm, 25, 16, 25, or 6 to 4, Chicago, Saturday in the Park, man selling ice cream. I think it was the 4th of July, born on the 4th of July, Tom Cruise, Cruising, Huey Lewis. I'm going to say it's hip to be yellow. Well, great title. Yeah. But sadly, it's not. Ah. Uh-uh. But you said hip to be yellow? Mm-hmm. I'll have you know, Steve, the word two is in this title. Oh, boy. So you're halfway there. Nice. It's called You Don't Have to Live Like a Referee. Hmm. You don't have to live like a referee. Steve, what do you think this episode's about? Oh, boy. Well... That is like a take on a very popular uh, Tom Petty song. You don't have to live like a refugee. However, I, as a Simpsons fan, know that he was in another episode. So it's probably not that one. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that somebody does some refereeing. Mm. I'm going to say that uh, Lisa wants to be a soccer star, but she's not very good. So she ends up being a referee instead. And Homer's upset because, for some reason, he is a coach of, let's say, Milhouse's team. And Lisa makes a fair call, but Homer thinks that he's being screwed over. And then in a B-plot, uh, Bart is uh, selling orange slices that are injected with steroids. Uh, much to the delight of the players, but to the horror of the parents. You're right, except for Bart's injecting the orange slices with... Uh... Millhouse's semen. Oh. Instead. Yeah. Everything's coming, Millhouse. <laughs> now, of course, you're all wrong, Steve. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the synopsis from the Simpsons Wiki. It's like a long paragraph, so bear with me. Pressed for a topic at Springfield Elementary School speech contest, Lisa gives a speech where she praises Homer, that's her dad, his honesty and integrity as a soccer referee. A video of her speech goes viral on the internet and FIFA officials recruit Homer to referee the World Cup in Brazil. (laughs) The Simpsons family go to Brazil again? (laughs) Wow. Where Homer is quickly lauded by commentators for his fair and honest officiating. However, his integrity is quickly put to the test by the bribery attempts of local gangsters seeking influence the outcome of the World Cup. Wow. Meanwhile, Marge struggles to learn enough Portuguese to make herself understood in Brazil. Steve, do you remember this episode? 
I do not, but I think it's a bold move. You know, we love Sports Folder here on this episode or on this on this podcast, and but like one of the most maligned episodes of The Simpsons is the Brazil episode. So the fact that they would go back to Brazil and still make fun of Brazil uh, is an interesting move. So I am curious about this one. Do you have any memory of this episode, Craig? No. I'm wondering if they bring up that episode in this episode. I mean, I would got, I gotta assume they have to, right? Yeah. Uh, well, Schwartz Welder didn't write this, Steve. Um, like he wrote that one. But uh, we have Michael Price writing this with a good old Mark Costco man himself. Mark Kirkland directing it. Yeah, originally aired March 30th, 2014. We were... That was like last year, right? 2014? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. It really feels that way. I mean, thinking about where I was, like, it was like... Yeah. Right, where you're at now? (laughs) Pretty much. No, I think I was in my studio apartment. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, I was still with Laura, and like, yeah, it doesn't seem like that long ago. So it's, it's weird that that was a decade ago. And then, and and only a t- two years after that, America will be finally great again. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, everyone! Thanks for listening. Come back next week. We want uh, we want to entertain you some more. But uh, you can uh, entertain us if you want by uh, contacting us on social medias like uh, Threads or uh, Instagram or YouTube at One Three Eight Simpsons or email us at 138simpsons at gmail.com. And hey, if you're so kind, go to your favorite podcasting app, leave us five stars or the equivalent, but you don't need to write a real review, just uh, write a review that is all about uh, your religious experience and how you came to find what your perception of God is. And hey, while you're there, uh, click the microphone on that uh, podcasting app and leave us a voicemail. Uh, you can ask us a question, do an impression, or just tell us whatever the hell you want. And check out our TeePublic site, which is tpublic.com slash user slash annoyedgramboys for some merch. Hey, everyone, thanks for listening. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell your moil, tell everyone that you know who circumcises you daily to listen to our podcast. We need more listeners like you. That's right. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, tell everybody that you know, and then tell some strangers, too. Go outside, post a... uh, a piece of paper like you see on like telephone poles, you know, like for like free guitar lessons, but just post a sign and say, listen to our podcast and then uh, take a picture of that and send it to us. That's right. free advertising. Yeah. That'll be fun, right? Yeah. Okay. Like All right. For this week, I've been annoyed Grand Boy Craig. And I've been annoyed Grand Boy Steve. And remember, boobs, just like what girls got. Not my job to make kids laugh. Hey, baby. You looking for a good time, huh? Go home, turn on your television, channel six. Thanks for the tip.